Good morning. This is Joe Moran with the Joe Moran Show. Excited to be here. Excited to have this conversation on a wonderful Thursday. Uh, Really ready to get after it. We're going to talk about Powell uh, and his speech yesterday after the FOMC meeting um, and then wrap it up with some thoughts on the fiscal stimulus and uh, the White House's eagerness to get a deal across the finish line with the election uh, about 45 days out or so. Um, so let's get going. So Powell uh, started talking yesterday, and there was a press release that came out at, uh, at 1 p.m. Central. Powell ready to roll on uh, at 1.30 and, you know, delivered his opening remarks. They made some changes to the press release, uh, which were fairly uh, – the changes were fairly significant. I'm not sure the actual message was significant, um, even though Powell would disagree with me on that. Uh, But nevertheless, came out, and the message that Powell is sending to the markets was fairly clear, right? Fairly clear. Um, It was, look... We're not moving interest rates, at least not through 2023. So we got three years of near zero rates. And because we're not raising rates, invest in growth. That's what he said. Um, at least that's part of, you know, that's that was that was the message. It was, look, you got three years. We're telling you we're not moving rates. Even as the economy gets stronger, we're not moving rates. So companies, please go ahead and pursue growth initiatives, growth activities to pull us out of this um, economic situation that we find ourselves in. And it was interesting because Powell you know, started to get some pushback. They were asking about the asset purchases and the QE. Um, What does that do? Uh, McKee from Bloomberg, you know, asked about the asset bubbles and potential asset bubbles from quantitative easing. And Powell, you know, honestly, he just dismissed it. He said, you know, look at the, we've been doing this, you know, on this program for, let's call it 10 plus years. And we haven't really seen any bubbles um, form in various uh, asset classes. So why would I be concerned about that? I mean, that was essentially his position. I mean, it's something they're going to evaluate, but, you know, he largely dismissed it. And I think I, I, I think he knows the answer, right? I think he knows that it is driving um, asset prices higher and it's driving wealth inequality. Uh, but he can't say it, right? He can't say it. Um, just can't. So, you know, we're left with kind of a him and a ha, right, about, you know, we don't think so, but it's something we're going to evaluate, uh, et cetera. Um, 
I think everybody that's actually paying attention disagrees, but you can understand why he would say that. Uh, another thing that I was actually looking for, and we talked about it yesterday, was could the Fed provide clarity and specifics on how their existing policy is going to achieve inflation above and beyond the 2% target that they haven't been able to hit. And they haven't been able to hit it. Right? They haven't been able to hit it. Not for a long time. And what's happening is in, in, in the conference, Powell, he couldn't articulate how they were going to hit it. It was actually amazing. They actually showed a chart during the conference that describe by year the various targets, right? So unemployment, let's say today we're at 9%, 8, 8 to 10%, somewhere in there, if you believe the numbers. And it stair-stepped down to 2023, where eventually you get to kind of a 4% quality of number. GDP, look, GDP is not going to grow nearly as fast. Uh, this year will be a little bit better than anticipated, but the growth coming out of this year is actually going to be slowed down. But in 2023, we're at 2.5%. And rates at the end in the inflation target, the anticipated inflation is still at 2%. So even as the market and the economy gets healthier, again, their mandates are 2% average inflation and full employment. That's their mandate, right? So even as you get those things, we get, you know, tepid growth at 2.5% GDP, a 4% unemployment rate. They're showing that we're just going to hit 2% inflation in 2023, and there will be no rate changes up to that point. So I was looking for specifics and clarity on how they were going to get above and beyond that 2% inflation, average inflation target, and he didn't, he didn't provide it. He can't provide it because I think deep down, they know that QE, quantitative easing, doesn't drive inflation, and in fact, it creates disinflation because the dollars, right, the dollars, where, where the printing flows, goes straight into asset prices. Doesn't go into the economy, right? The only way that it could even drive real inflation, or in, you know, let's call it non-asset inflation, would then be if the boomers decide to sell all of their stock shares to get that money out of the market, and introduce it into the economy, right? So he couldn't do it. And I think they know that they can't, they can't hit it. Uh, and it was fascinating to hear him because he probably said, I don't know, I mean, I'm going to say 50 times. It wasn't quite 50, but I bet it was 15 to 20 times. He goes, hey, this is extremely powerful guidance, forward-looking guidance, you know, we are not out of tools. We have plenty of tools in the toolbox. Um, you know, there's no change. We're not announcing any changes. This is the guidance. It's, hey, we're not moving interest rates. 
through 2023. Boom. There you go. But in his mind, that was a powerful statement because they're saying, look, we're not changing it. It is going to be easy, easy, extremely accommodative um, from a monetary monetary standpoint. And, you know, companies go do what you need to do to drive growth because you're going to be able to get cheap liquidity. Right. And cheap debt. You know, it, he he can't force the banks to lend, but by capping and keeping interest rates near zero. Then eventually, you know, the banks are going to have to lend. And when they lend the interest rates, you know, the companies are borrowing, they're going to be low. Right. We know that. Um, but it was just it was just fascinating to hear him. He just said, hey, this is powerful guidance. We have more tools in our toolbox. Well, what are the tools? So you could go to a negative rate situation, um, which is possible, right? Because we already have um, real negative. We have we have negative uh, negative rates already. Um, real negative rates already because of inflation, but. So we could go to kind of a negative rate situation, um, which is which is possible. I don't. We we know they don't want to do that, but uh, they could do that. So that's possible. They can change their bond purchasing program and ramp that up above and beyond the hundred and twenty billion that gets executed per month. They can do that. They can say, look, we're changing our forward guidance. You know, we're not raising rates for the next 10 years. But the, the, the reality is we know they can't raise rates, right? Because they're sitting on a mountain of debt. <laughs> and because of the mountain of debt, how do you eliminate the debt? Do you do a debt jubilee? Do you just write it off? Or do you borrow more money, which is what they're going to do, they're going to they're going to get more they're going to borrow more money to make the interest payments on the debt that they already have thus kicking the can down the road don't think that the principal is dropping the principal is not going to drop they're going to take on more debt at the cheap rates kick the maturity can down the road and the debt grows 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 and grows and Powell's telling you that that's the plan, right? I mean, that's the plan. Look, they're not taking the punch bowl away. Rates are going to remain zero. Even if the economy gets better, which according to their chart, they think the, mar the market at 2023 will be a 4% rate and uh, unemployment rate, 2.5% GDP growth. I mean, it's possible, right? We don't know what's going to happen in three years. But even if you hit those targets, the rates are still going to remain low. And that's because of the debt problem. So just just it was it was a fascinating conference. Um, the stock market just got just got pummeled right after a speech. The dollar uh, <laughs> the dollar immediately gained strength. 
I think it was like at 92.9 and it went up to 90, almost went to 93.5 uh, within a few hours as um, dollar short positions were being unwound because they saw kind of this growth trajectory through 2023. What's interesting about the growth trajectory is they were actually revising back, pulling back the growth projections. They were pulling them back. So I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It was a fascinating conference. I don't think Powell did a, I don't think he did a great job. Uh, clearly frustrated with some of the questions about quantitative easing and what else are you going to do? Um, and that's why he kept repeating, well, there's, there's, there's more tools in our toolbox, right? Um, couple other nuggets from the conference itself. You know, it was going to be interesting, and we talked about it yesterday, is what is Powell's message going to be on the fiscal front? He was pounding, 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 pounding Congress to get their shit together and pass a fiscal stimulus package. Pounding it. Walking a fine line, right? Getting involved. You've got 11 million people, Powell said, that need additional assistance. You know, it was funny. One of the questions, and this was actually a very important question, um, and it comes back to this fiscal piece, is somebody said, look, you got 29.6 million people that are on some form of uh, unemployment um, or government assistance. And, you know, we talk about the labor market getting better, but again, you got 29.6 million. And Powell, in his, in his, uh, in all of his wisdom, said, well, you can't really trust what comes out in those weekly numbers because when they were getting all the data together, they just kind of threw it together. And it doesn't really align correctly, right? The data doesn't really align correctly, whether it's continuous claims or new claims related to the pandemic. Uh, he, he's basically saying you can't trust it. You can't trust the math, right? And we've been talking about that, right? With all of these new adjustments that they're throwing out there to make the math look a little bit better. Um, can't trust the math and he knows pal knows that if they don't get a fiscal deal passed the economy starts to break it's already breaking let me rephrase that the fractures widen uh if they don't get a fiscal deal done i mean there's only so much that they can do right i mean kind of stepping back he wouldn't answer what else they could do but i mean there's only so much more they can do they can lower rates they can increase their uh, bond purchasing, um, try to make debt as cheap as possible. Their uh, you know, Main Street lending facility has barely been utilized, and that's because banks don't want to take a loss, right? So they're, they're, banks are conservative. They're inherently conservative, and they're not going to take a position that could put a loss on their books 
I know enough bankers. I know how they think. Right? They're conservative. So, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't understand what other tools that he has in his arsenal. Um, and I think he knows that the cat's out of the bag. And this time around, right, in the global financial crisis, shit hit the fan so fast. The public, even the macro people, the finance people, and the economists didn't understand the consequences of their actions, right? And so we were putting these, we put these programs in place. We didn't understand the consequences. It actually helped provide liquidity to the banks. And because it was a banking problem, right? So the Fed backstopped it and it, it sort of worked out. But again, we didn't change course. We're on the same path. Well, the problem is the, the, the public and the stakeholders, and we're all stakeholders, but the ones that are financially incentivized because it's their job to know what's going on, they're much more knowledgeable today. And the limitations, the Fed limitations, they're real, right? They're real. And we know what the consequences are of the Fed action. We know what's possible. And we know what's not possible or what shouldn't be possible. And they've figured out ways to get around it. But he doesn't pal they're they're running out of they're running out of options, right? The two year is about to break ten basis points on its way down to zero. That's going to go negative. That's going to go negative. Right? And that's the challenge. You've got inflation for all the things that you need. Healthcare. Grocery bills. Basic fundamental needs. Right? Real estate, housing, um, rent. And that's hitting the bottom 50. You got disinflation everywhere else, right? Which is why their CPI number doesn't change. And it forces Powell to print more and more and more and more and more. And it's this vicious, it's this vicious circle. It's a vicious circle that we're on. Um, but we'll see. I mean, Powell's going to pound the table for fiscal. Because he knows that fiscal can really drive inflation. And fiscal fix, fixes the demand gap. That's what it does. At least it kicks it, the can down the road for the next, you know, six months. Right? Um, because there is real pain out there. Real pain. And... It's going to start surfacing. It's going to start surfacing. Um, you're going to see a bunch of mortgage defaults. You're going to see um, evictions. You know, increased homelessness, all those things. I mean, it's going to get ugly out there. Unless there's some real fiscal, a real fiscal response from Congress. 
it always leads back to here. Right? It always leads back to here. And the market this morning, I mean, it was getting hammered. The Dow was down, you know, 300, 350. The NASDAQ was getting fucking slayed down two, three percent. Um, it's starting to come back. But again, it's the market understands what the needs are. It's just a question of will the decision makers in Washington, will they get it together? Uh, I'm not so sure. But one thing that we do know that we have talked about is Trump is going to get involved. So yesterday... There's uh, more information that comes out from Trump who says, okay, look, guys, Republicans, you got to come to the table, right? White House is starting to be ready to make a deal. You know, that moderate bill that was pushed forward by 25 Dems, 25 Republicans in the House, uh, let's call it a $1.5 trillion kind of quality of number. That... Uh, That got Trump's attention, got him excited. I mean, Trump's staring at the barrel of a six, seven, eight point deficit right now in the polls, right? He's behind. The polling is not going well. Minnesota, he's in trouble. Wisconsin, he's in trouble. Michigan, trouble. North Carolina, trouble. Arizona, trouble. Pennsylvania, eh, not so bad. Florida, not so bad. But he's in trouble, and he knows that the fiscal bill and sending helicopter money could be an answer to his problem. And so he's telling the, the Senate Republicans, hey, you, you, we're going to need to come to the table. Trump, is he re he's ready. He thinks he can get the Republicans on board. Then there's going to be a deal done. Mark Meadows, his chief of staff, said he's more optimistic about a deal in the last in the last 72 hours than he has been in the last 72 days. Now Pelosi, she still has him under a barrel. She doesn't have to do anything. They got to fund the government in the next couple weeks, right? And we said, hey, look, this is all gonna this is all gonna come together, right? They got to fund they got to fund the government, and then they've got to fund. The fiscal bill, fiscal stimulus bill, and it's going to come together. And that's what it's starting to look like is going to happen. Because Trump, I mean, if he's down six, seven, eight percentage points going into the election, it's going to be a fucking bloodbath. And he doesn't want to get embarrassed, right? He doesn't. This guy hates to lose. He will cheat, lie, steal, do anything to not lose. And if that means Pelosi says, hey, look, I want a $2 trillion bill, I think he gives it to her. And he'll do the same thing that happened last time. He'll invite the Republicans you know, to go to the White House and the Democrats won't be invited and 
everybody he'll go look look at this bill that we passed right you know he was the savior right I mean all you have to understand is the politics the only question that I have is what are the Republicans going to do how is Mitch McConnell going to respond because they couldn't even get their measly you know 650 billion dollar bill they couldn't even get that through the senate last week right they couldn't even get all the 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 senators the republicans to get on board to pass it while they have a majority so the only question that i have is does mcconnell think trump can win if the answer is yes they get the deal done if the answer is no if he doesn't think that Trump can win, if the polls aren't close enough, he could drag his feet and make it difficult for him. He could. You know, I'd put it at a 60%, maybe 70% that the deal gets done. Uh, probably closer to 70. But I think there's a chance, a decent chance, that McConnell's just like, look, it's dead in the water. Our constituents as Republicans, we're supposed to be fiscal hawks, even though we're not. When you look at the, when you actually look at the numbers and the math, but we're not going to blow this up. And next year, he's got to hope that they control the Senate next year, especially if Biden wins, because if not, Biden's pushing a five point seven trillion dollar budget. I mean, he is going to blow the budget. And that's okay. I mean, we know that, right? He's going to blow the budget. He's going to raise taxes. And they're going to be pushing social welfare programs. We know that. So, let's just watch. You know, I think we'll, I think we'll have something concrete. I think we'll know by the end of September. Have to. Because to roll out checks and to do all that nonsense takes a couple weeks. It takes a couple weeks. And he needs to act fairly quickly because the mail-in ballots, those are going to be happening soon, right? And so he needs to start to get the message out. I mean, Trump understands messaging extremely well. How to create a narrative, right? How to make something stick. He understands that and he plays the media really well. So he knows that to have a maximum impact on his election chances, they got to get the deal done, like today, right? So I think we'll see something in the next couple of weeks so they can actually execute on the helicopter money uh, before the election. But... It's just like we talked about. It's just like we talked about. They don't have any other choice. They don't have any other choice. Trump doesn't have any other choice. Um, and he has no leverage. Especially trailing. If, if he was up five points against Biden, I mean, there's just no deal, right? It's not even, you're not even talking about it. Pelosi wouldn't even talk about it. Right? I mean, she would talk about it, but it wouldn't matter. We know that. So, you know, the real takeaways from yesterday for me was, hey, look, interest rates are flat. 
it's growth. Boom, boom, boom. You know, let's go. I, I heard an interesting comment, which was like, look, if you have the rates and you say they're going to be low for the next three years, then it doesn't create the incentive for companies to start investing today. You know, that was one of the always the interesting things about the bonus depreciation that would always come out later in the year. It always forced companies, right, to start to make capital decisions right before the end of the year so they could capture the bonus depreciation, right? But where's the incentive on a three-year plan? I don't know. I thought it was just fascinating, and it's a, it is. I think he's right. I think the person was right. Look, if you have rates and you say they're going to be low over the next three years, yes, it allows companies to plan, make strategic decisions, lay out their cash flows, understand the timing of their investments, but it doesn't create a sense of urgency to say, look, it's 2021 and we got to go now and get some capital and incentivize banks to lend, get the capital because rates are going up. That doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. Um, so look, rates aren't going anywhere. We know that they're going to run this thing hot or try to, uh, Powell understands in my opinion that they can't hit the inflation target at least within the next three years. So you have little to no risk of rates going up. Um, he's going to be pushing for fiscal and he has been and every chance he gets, he's going to push for fiscal until the, until it's done because look, the economy needs it. The economy has to have it. Um, so we'll see how the ECB responds. It's interesting. Even the Bank of England today started talking more and more about negative interest rates. Look, it's coming. Like the Bank of England, they go negative interest rates, right? They follow the ECB. It could happen next year here in America. I think it's likely. I think it's likely. So... Just a really fascinating, really fascinating day. Uh, the markets, like I said, are they're starting to rebound, uh, not significantly, but getting closer to zero. Bitcoin uh, is down a little bit from yesterday, about a half a percent um, in the last 24 hours. But as the market's rebounding, Bitcoin's bouncing back up almost at 10.9. And, you know, we'll see if it can clear 11 uh, for the day and close above 11 um, for the day. Last night, it, it, it hit over 11 a, a, a couple times yesterday, but it didn't close, um, didn't close over 11. So we'll see if it can do that today. And we know, we, it, it's just fascinating because we know what the, we know kind of what the outcomes are. And you're just watching the, the chess pieces move, right? And they're playing off one another. And it's really following the steps that we've that we've discussed. So I hope everybody has a wonderful day. I know I will. And until tomorrow, uh, when we meet again at the Joe Moran Show, let's keep our ears to the grindstone.